0: because I was just getting anxiety a lot and it was really strange because I had never gotten before really on stage before and it's a very uncomfortable feeling (laughs) but what I also learned because I would talk about it with a couple of different castmates and they're like we get it too like it's you know it's just a thing like People think that nobody on Broadway or nobody in the performing arts gets anxiety or gets nervous about going on stage, even if you've done the show so many times. And I, for one thing, it's really important to talk about.
1: Welcome to the Artist Becoming podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby. A five, six, seven, eight.
2: Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens.
1: Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Sabrina Imamura, a ballerina turned Broadway star, current Hamilton cast member, and a true artist becoming. Here we go.
2: Welcome Sabrina Imamura to Artists Becoming. We are so pumped to have you here today. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Oh,
2: my goodness. Well, we have been talking to so many different types of artists and mostly dancers. You are, of course, a dancer. You're also a Broadway star. And um, we are just so excited to dive into your story. And we're excited to share the little pivot points and winding road um, of your journey that led you to where you are right now. So we were thinking that just to kind of give context around your becoming, um, can you tell us a little bit about your history and perhaps the... moments or the people that have kind of really shaped your history in a unique way.
0: Uh, My history, well, background, I am half Japanese and half Polish, so that has shaped a lot of me. I, because it's AAPI month, uh, have been kind of thinking back a lot about my childhood and how that kind of affected me as an artist, because I never realized that I looked different. Um, when I was younger and it became very apparent when I got older and especially coming into auditioning in the city, um, was like a really big wake up call for me. And it's kind of been an amazing thing that diversity has become such a huge thing. That's like a separate story from like the dance background, but I started in ballet when I was three because my mom wanted to take dance classes and, um, I really fell in love with it, and I always wanted to go to dance class as opposed to the piano lessons she put us in. I did not want to go to piano lessons, but I wasn't allowed to quit until I was a senior. Um, so I was very serious about ballet and wanted to be an ABT New York City Ballet. That was like the goal. I would go to programs often. And then once I went to college at University of Michigan, I kind of shifted gears because the program was much more modern. So I started doing. Um, kind of more of the contemporary ballet route. And that's what I was doing when I first moved to New York City. And then once I joined an agency, they'd kind of asked me, are you interested in doing Broadway? And I said, sure, I've never really taken vocal lessons, but I'll try it. And so then I just kind of started auditioning for Broadway shows. And going back to the AAPI diversity thing, most of the shows that I auditioned for were very Asian-specific, like The King and I, Allegiance, um, south pacific so that was kind of what i was going out for and there was probably only one that i do very consistently american in paris because i had strong point work but other than that there wasn't a lot of diversity for me in terms of which shows i would audition for just because like they were looking for asian specific ethnically continuous. um so then hamilton came around uh which was like a really big thing because they are so diverse as a show. And I went into the audition thinking that I'm not going to book this. It's like the biggest show on Broadway right now, but I'll go and just like have fun with it. And so two days of audition and callback, and I had gotten a call from my agent the next day saying that my name was on the table, which was like a really big deal because usually you don't hear anything from the audition team until they've like, made a decision whether it's a yes or a no. So I was really excited about that. And then a month later, they told me I had booked the first national tour of Hamilton. And then I was on tour for about a year and a half, left tour. And then I made my Broadway debut in the show a couple of months later, left the show again. And then they asked me to come back on Broadway to cover a different track. And then In the midst of covering that second track, I had found out that they wanted me to come back for the L.A. company of Hamilton, and then pandemic happened, and now I'm back in New York, so that is, like, the gist of me.
1: (laughs) Wow. Oh, I have so many little questions based on a million things you just said, so... Oh, Lord, I gotta collect myself, but the first thing I want to say for our audience, because I think that this is new, is you are the... Well, we also had Garen Scribner, who is a Broadway performer um, that I did American in Paris with. But for our audience, since we have a lot of ballet dancers, I think a term that they're not super used to is like track. And so for people to know, a track is basically when you're in a show, rather than being in a ballet company or a dance company where there's fluidity, where you could be cast in any role or you could be dancing in the core one night and then you might have a soloist part the next in a Broadway show each part each ensemble role is its own track and so you kind of get put into this specific track and you do that for the entirety of your contract so you could be doing that one track for three years um, mm-hmm. and then you could be covering or understudying other roles or there's there's definitely layers to that but to go back to your story There's so many moments I want to zoom in on, but um, one that's coming to mind because I think it's so unique is um, we haven't I don't think we've had another Asian guest. And I think something that is so interesting or I would love to know from you was that while you were going through when you first started auditioning for Broadway, And you were going for South Pacific and Miss Saigon or these like very specific shows that were needing Asian performers. Was that an empowering feeling or was that kind of a frustrating feeling? Like, did you feel empowered because there was a place for you, you know, like there was a specific place for you that wanted your background, your history, or did it feel a little bit like you were being pigeonholed, you know, emotionally, was there any experience around that?
0: So I think when I first started auditioning for Broadway shows, um, I wasn't really aware of it. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, I, I wasn't really aware of it. Um, I think I was just kind of happy to be in the room. I was like, Ooh, I got an audition. I'm really excited to be at this audition. And like, I knew that it was an Asian specific show most of the time, but, um, it didn't bother me at that point just because I was so fresh and new in the city and I was just really excited to get in the room in front of people. Whereas now reflecting back on it, especially because diversity has become such a big thing in all industries. It is frustrating for me. One, that that was a thing. And two, that I didn't realize that right. that was yeah, because uh, on top of Going in for mostly Pacific shows when I first started auditioning for Broadway. Most of those shows are not really Asian shows. They are like through the white lens, if that makes sense. Like South Pacific is about like white soldiers. Right. And allegiance is also about. I I actually don't even know the story of that one, but I'm pretty sure it's also about like war yeah right. with white people so you know it's and the same thing with like the king and i it's about a white woman who comes to teach in an, an asian country so it's kind of frustrating that those are the only roles that asian get cast in or the only shows that asian specific people get cast because it's all through a white lens And, you know, we've kind of been taught that like, oh, we should be grateful that you have like these very specific shows where you, you, they only cast Asian people. I'm like, I mean, yes, but no, because of the premise of the story and being told. So that has been like actually a really big discussion this past month that I've had with a lot of people in Hamilton because of AAPI Heritage Month about how um, it's great that shows are becoming more diverse especially i feel with asian performers which fun fact that i learned it has probably changed a little bit but what i learned like a couple years ago when i did a red bucket follies for um bcfa performance and it was an all asian opening number of like three generations and one of the lines in the number was there's only been five percent of asian actors on broadway Mm -hmm. since Um. this which is like really 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 tiny since the beginning of Broadway, 5%. Um, I'm sure it may have gone up like a little bit within the past couple of years because diversity has become more of a thing. But um, I totally lost my train of thought. This happens all the time. Um,
2: (laughs) Just that it's been more of a discussion that you've been working through, reflecting on it differently.
0: Yeah, it's just been more of a discussion and it's really great because, you know, We're so used to being cast in those types of shows instead of just Asian people being Americans. Um, Kind of like when Crazy Rich Asians came out, that was like the first Asian movie that wasn't, to me, specifically Asian. Like the name had it in it, had in it, but it was about a love story. So it's like, we are Americans. We're Asian American, our culture, that's our ethnic background, but we ourselves are American, so we also have regular stories, and we shouldn't be typecast with, like, the stereotypical, like, nerd, or... Right. Like, I don't even... I feel like that's, like, the most common, like, typecast of, yeah. like, an Asian nerd, or, like, Fresh Off the Boat type of parent, which they actually have a show called Fresh Off the Boat, so kind of like making steps to not cast Asian actors and performers in their roles like just know that they are normal people and they have you know love stories they can be the lead they can be like the sassy best friend so
1: right wow that's just I'm so grateful for this this perspective in this conversation yeah Yeah,
2: this line for this, this is a cringe moment, but there's a line from Hamilton that's coming up for me right now. And it's just who lives, who dies, who tells your story. And (laughs) I'm sure you've sang that one a time or two. Um, But I think what you just said, discerning between something being about you and who's actually controlling the narrative is such a powerful thing to discern. And it's something that I admittedly fully took for granted until I went to school and in Columbia, you know, Columbia is a very like activist, very charged little intellectual bubble. And it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I take for granted being a white blonde American woman. Um, one of which is the lens through which we're learning our history. And, um, there's actually classes that are required by all majors, doesn't matter what you're majoring in, that are where all of the sources, the um, the entire curriculum is seen through an Eastern lens. And I remember being like, oh, that's interesting. It didn't occur to me that everything else that I'm learning, like the other 98% of my education is being fed through one perspective, through one lens. And it's, I love, I love this Upspring and long overdue um, spotlight on the power of and purpose and point and just richness of diverse storytelling and and switching up who's telling the narrative. I think it's it's way long overdue and what an exciting time to be a present talent. Like you are a quadruple threat. Like you're. You went to UM, like you're a ballerina, you're a Broadway star. I love how you're like. I never took a voice lesson than books Hamilton. Like,
0: <laughs> I will say that uh, taking piano for yeah, fifteen years really helped because I was always like an ear by like hearing music rather than like sight reading. So I think that with like the vocal aspect, yes yeah. I like look out the notes and kind of
1: totally. <laughs> yeah. you're like thank you mom you're like okay mom thank you but so on that note haha note um <laughs> I I wanted to something Shelby and I were discussing was that our workshop like that we've had up until this point it has moved through this kind of four-part process where we're having artists like look at their history and look at their challenges, their blocks, the limiting beliefs that they need to release. And then this process of kind of like casting your intention and your vision forward and taking steps to expanding and understanding who you could become in your artistry and the full potential of that and even beyond that. And something that I think is really unique to a musical theater artist that is different from a lot of the ballet dancers that we've spoken with is that, um, not only are you in the same grind and hustle and, and daily work that all artists are putting in, but you're, if you're in a show like Hamilton, you're doing eight shows a week for potentially years on end of the same show, of the same piece of art, your body going through this same kind of repetitive exhaustion every night, and there's such a mental game and such a physical game there, um, and and then on the side of that, there's like your artistry that somehow still has to be kind of fueled and, and nurtured. But it can be hard. It can be admittedly, you know, if you speak to a lot of Broadway performers, they're not necessarily telling you that they're just like lit up from the creative source every day going in to do the same thing. So I think it would be amazing to hear what has your experience been with that and what have the biggest challenges been for you, maybe on a mental physical level, having that type of really intense grind of being in a show. And also on the flip side of that, where does your spark come from and, and your connection to your artistry within that kind of
0: Within mm-hmm. that path, yeah yeah so i I have like a whole story about all of that um so coming from the background of dance that I did, I never really had considered Broadway before, so I was so used to like being super artistic and doing the ballet stuff and then doing the modern stuff, which is sometimes really weird um. <laughs> But they like challenge you to become artistic with the way that you choreograph and the way that you look at art and how you experience it, um, both when you're watching it and when you're actually doing it. So I was used to that whole background. And so I had never thought about doing Broadway because I was like, I don't know if I'll artistically feel fulfilled doing the same show eight times a week. Like, I think I'd be really exhausted and bored doing that. Um, So when my agents did come to me with the question of whether I wanted to do Broadway or not, it was kind of me just like as a hungry artist wanting to do as much as I could and obviously not take anything out of the running of what might be. So when Hamilton came along and I auditioned, I tell this to everyone because I had been in audition rooms before and it's not for Broadway specifically. And it's not like I didn't have a good time at the audition or didn't think that the material was fun or didn't have a good time with it. But I do remember always kind of, you know, struggling with the artistic aspect just because it was very like, here's the first eight count. It's a step, ball change and a batma and a double turn and then a pose. And then we're going to go into this section. And they only kind of gave you a little bit of background of like, this is the part of the musical where like A, B and C is So I guess like be kind of happy or it was very base level um, information on how we were supposed to take in the choreography and how we were supposed to perform it, which that is part of the job of being an artist is you're supposed to make that decision for yourself and make your own artistic choices with the movement that's given to you and the little information that's given to you like performance wise. But when I went into Hamilton, I swear to you, every single move that we were doing had intention, had a purpose, had a reason for why it was in the show. Mm -hmm. And it was just a whole new experience for me as an artist because I really Mm -hmm. latched onto the fact that it was so artistic and it may not have been at some points like the most impressive choreography when you're first learning it because it's, you know, there are some I think I learned my shot and I remember like the first like couple of eight counts was like you're just standing there and you're supposed to be like listening to Hamilton on his soapbox which I had never seen the show before so I was like all right I guess I'll just imagine like I've never seen it, but we'll see how it goes but they gave you like so much background with that like okay so this is the moment in the show you know telling like this whole story to everyone in the room so you actually had a lot of information to go off of and not just kind of like being a little lost and again I know that's part of your the artist's job is to like make their own decisions um when they're doing the choreography but it was just really nice to have information have explanation to every movement that you were doing and to get Um, you know, the background info of like, what part of the show this is happening. And so I really thrived, I guess, and enjoyed that because I took it, it was almost like a workshop instead of an audition, because, you know, in a workshop, you get more information, you get more intel from the artist who's teaching you. So I really enjoyed that part of the audition process. And so when I actually booked the show and started doing it, I was like, I'm just so happy to be here. Like, I'm so grateful. And I remember at one point, like, learning the show, we learned, we had rehearsal for six weeks, and there's 300 pages of music. (laughs) Harmonies are insane. And I remember learning all the music and going home every single night. Like, I need to look over this stuff, and I need to study every part that I'm supposed to come in on and every note that I'm supposed to sing. And then once we stopped the vocal rehearsals and started choreography, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put these two together. Like, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I would try to dance and kind of try to sing while I was dancing because I knew that I had to come in. I was like, nope, nope, that was wrong. That, Nope, that was bad. <laughs> And You know, as time goes on, you kind of just automatically everyone kind of thinks up. And so getting into starting to do the show eight times a week, I was still just like, oh, I'm so excited. I was totally, completely nervous and had a little bit anxiety when I first started with like the eight show week, because I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do eight shows a week uh, mentally and physically, not um, artistically. But it that slowly dissipated. nervousness and the anxiety and also what i did learn from doing hamilton is that every show is different even outside of hamilton like every show that you do every night even though it's like quote-unquote the same show it's a different show every night because you never are gonna have like the same cast every time because swings which are understudies that are going to be on or standby, which are the understudies for the principals that will be on. So it's always like a different company of the show, Um, aside from like maybe the first couple of months when people are still like in their prime and they don't have any injuries yet. Um, But it's always new. You know, I will definitely say that I probably make one mistake at least every night. There are mistakes for me, but like the audience wouldn't notice. So it just makes the show different every night for me. And then with my partner and all the people that I'm interacting with on stage. So artistically, I did feel extremely, extremely fulfilled doing the show. Um, Things that kind of happened later on was once I got comfortable doing the show, I, you know, sometimes you go into autopilot, unfortunately, like some people don't want to hear that, but definitely... I would go into autopilot and I have recently discovered that I'm an overthinker and I think a lot of people are. So when you're an autopilot and you're an overthinker and I also have anxiety, (laughs) anxiety starts to set in because you already know every count that you need to be on stage, every prop that you need to bring on, all the words that you need to say, when you need to say them. So when your brain is kind of autopiloting the show, performing, then you like start thinking about some other things and like the overthinking anxiety kind of steps in. And that didn't really start to happen for me until I went to Broadway. And I think because I was on Broadway and I knew the track so well, that happened. And I also put a lot of pressure on myself because I was like, oh, it's Broadway. Like it's such a big thing, even though I had done that role a thousand times. Um, so I definitely had some mental health issues, um, doing the show the second time around on Broadway, um, because I was just getting anxiety a lot. And it was really strange because I had never gotten before really on stage before. And it's a very uncomfortable feeling, (laughs) but what I also learned because I would talk about it with a couple of different castmates and they're like we get it too like it's you know it's just a thing like people think that nobody on Broadway or nobody in the performing arts gets anxiety or gets nervous about going on stage even if you've done the show so many times and I for one thing it's really important to talk about because so many people think like oh you have the perfect job and like that's so exciting and like you have no problem and that's not the case because we everyone has their own issues but I know for me like I was particularly struggling with anxiety in that moment and I'm still kind of going through it now and it kind of feeds into the performance anxiety but I also had like sorry keeps going off you guys still there sorry (laughs) um I had this moment after um being on tour where I felt really technically unsound because okay. I was doing the show eight times a week for a year and a half. And before I was doing the show, I was literally taking ballet every single day at city center. And so my technique I felt was really strong. And when I was doing the show, you get so tired, yeah. like physically and mentally that I just didn't have the ability to kind of hold up that schedule of like trying to go to dance class every day, whether that was ballet, contemporary, what ha- what have you. Um, so I know that I was technically stronger than, you know, other people, but I felt like I had become so unbalanced, especially when you're doing everything on one side every night and not being able to kind of balance yourself out. Like I was always in PT and she would always have to adjust hips because my left side was always like, higher than my right and so I had like a really like big kind of like pity party moment for me for a while after I was on tour because I just felt like my technique had gone down so far and actually over the past year pandemic I've learned to just like give myself more grace because you know we haven't been able to upkeep that because we've been in our home for a year And so I'm learning to better handle feeling like my technique is not as strong as it should be or where it should be, because life just throws things at you that you need to be able to adjust to. And like, it's definitely okay to have those like bad days and sad days where you're just like, I don't want to take class because I don't look good in class or because you think you don't, but it's like a whole learning process with just being okay and being like more gentle and kinder to yourself. And also knowing that other people are like in the same headspace as you, like even outside of the pandemic of like not being able to dance and stuff. So that is a big like mental, like physical and emotional journey and learning process for me right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. I something that you spoke to that is so resonant that I think we haven't had as much conversation about is that kind of performance anxiety that can creep in even when you're so confident in your craft and you're so capable. It It's a mental, it, it, I think so many performers deal with it. I think Megan Fairchild spoke to it a bit. And I know that I had excruciating performance anxiety um, when I was doing Cats. I, this is, I don't, I never shared this story, but I had this solo to sing at the top of the second act. And again, you've done it literally 500 times, 500 <laughs> times. You're doing it every day. It's like brushing your teeth. But I had gotten myself into a mental tick, which I, I would create these almost like systems in my mind that were, I had to repeat them every night before going out to do certain sections. And it was sort of like my key in the ignition which in some ways ritual is empowering and then in other ways ritual is crippling and it's kind of like what part of the spectrum are you are you on in within this ritual and I would go there was a trap there was like a door that led into an alleyway and I would go into that little alley every night during intermission and about maybe 40 times i'm not even kidding i would sing through the solo i would sing through the solo sing through the solo sing through the solo and then winter came and the alley was like below freezing and so i would be out there in my unitard like singing through the solo singing through the solo before and Finally, the, the stage manager came to me. He's like, I can't allow you into the alley anymore. Like it's winter. Like this is dangerous. Okay. So I went into, I would go into a spiral. Like, well, I have to sing through the solo, like X amount of times before I do the solo. So I, w- I found another spot backstage. And finally one day, I think the stage manor- manager came over to me and he just like grabbed me and was like, you have to stop. Like, you know, the solo, you nail it every night. No one's ever heard you hit a wrong note. Like you're fine, you know? And it was just this, my own mental thing. And if I had traded that ritual for perhaps like one minute of meditation, breathing exercises, and then like two scales, I would have been fine. But I had created this anxious pattern. And it's so hard when you're in that cycle of anxiety. I think that's, that's the difficulty of anxiety. It kind of spirals and it gets ahead of you. Yeah. And it's really hard to bring the ball back to center because it's already kind of in front of you and you're sort of chasing the ball. And I just think that that's a perspective that not a lot of, it's something the audience doesn't see. It's sometimes something maybe your coworkers don't see, but they often do. But it's, it's so it's just it's just something i think so many more people deal with than is normalized and and so it it's less it's less in the conversation and then there's less systems built to empower people that are in the performance hot seat and and what's so fascinating is that i think it can happen like you get the job and then you get the anxiety it's not like you started there it's something that somewhere along the way you pick up a belief and you just let it run, you know?
0: Yeah. I almost think that sometimes with anxiety, because like we talked about you, you've done the show so many times that it's like, why are you getting anxious? It's almost like, because you're anticipating, I already know that this is coming up and like, I have to sing this solo or I have to say this line or I have to be on stage at this certain point. And like, if I don't make it then you like create these scenarios in your head, which is a part of anxiety. It's creating scenarios in your head that have no place there. And so you automatically start getting really anxious about it. And I, let me tell you, like, I've gone through all the steps. Like I went to a doctor because I was getting it so frequently. I get nauseous anxiety and mm-hmm. occasionally day where I get really, um, cold sweats and kind of feel like I might be dying, yeah. <laughs> which is like, first, but most commonly I would get nauseous anxiety, which is like the worst thing to happen when you're on stage, um, we're in corsets, we're singing, comedy, we're dancing full out. So it's like absolutely the worst feeling in the world. So I've recently also like taken the steps to go to therapy to like, kind of find the root of the anxiety because I realized that I've actually had it since I was like seven, which is really weird. People are like, how do you know? And I'm like, I just remember these circumstances where I felt the exact same way, but I do now anxiety attacks. So I'm pretty sure that it started for some reason at a really young age and it wasn't a frequent thing, but I just know that it was like the exact same feeling when I was like that young age that I have now when I'm on stage sometimes and I get like a nauseous anxiety attack. And then I also get like, there's so many different layers, like social anxiety of like, you know, you're on stage to perform for people. So wouldn't that be like the most embarrassing thing? If you like got sick on stage or like something like your anxiety, like took you out of your track and you had to like run off stage because you're like hyperventilating. So it's like that aspect of it too, like feeds in so much. I think, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I also just think it's really important to talk about because a lot of people don't discuss it. And it's become, you know, mental health is like a really big thing, which I think is amazing because so many people are like silently suffering because they think that they're the only ones that are going through it or that like they're weird or that there's something wrong with them because they don't see anyone else like going through it so I think it's really important to talk about
2: I love and honor you for being so vulnerable to pull the curtain back on your mental health journey because first of all I would I would argue that most artists are, are struggling with with their mental health and predominantly because first of all we're all over educated when it comes to technique like between the three of us we have been we have had and held successful performing arts careers. And we have gone through the trajectory of very, very prestigious schools, like truly between all San Francisco Ballet, School of American Ballet, University of Michigan. We've made our way to these top companies performing on the world's top stages. Like this is, these are, this is a high level accomplishments. And can any of us speak to training that we had along that time of how to proactively cope with the mental health pressures that come with this career? Anybody?
1: anybody? Bueller? Bueller? (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say Bueller. I, well, the the only, the only thing I did have, I will say was I had a private ballet coach who was very much one of my greatest mentors and very, he was a like, classic, um, super, super critical, like, tear you down. And I loved it. I ate that up. Like I was drawn to the teachers that tore me down. I know it's super weird, but I did. I, I really, I loved it. But what he did was I began working with him privately and I'll never forget. I was crying. I was struggling with something and we were, we were over and over again trying to get something. And he sat me down. He's like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to meditate. And we spent like the rest of my private session and we meditated and I will never forget it. And it was the only time I think, that someone really tried to impart a different like wisdom on me, but it was alongside also like crying and like screaming at me, (laughs) so. Yeah, questionable, questionable.
0: I think like the only thing that I can really remember is that I had going to U of M and going into an extremely modern program And coming from such a strong, like obsessive ballet background where they're like telling you to fight through the pain. And I actually did that once and I ended up in a boot for six months, but (laughs) same. (laughs) no, they tell you to like fight through the pain. And to an extent, like when you're performing it on stage, yes, you have to like fight through the pain because that's your job to like perform. But one important life lesson as a dancer for me was one of my instructors at U of M who also was one of my instructors, um, at the Joffrey Midwest program I had gone to in the summer. She, it's like this amazing ballerina has like the most perfect, beautiful banana feet you've ever seen. Um, she could like do an Asia pay and like break in new shoes, like just one Asia. That's those were her feet. And she She always was, like, really, which is something I hadn't heard from, like, a ballet instructor ever. She was very much so on the, like, if you're not okay, if you're physically, like, not okay, if you're tired, if you feel, like, an inkling of an injury, like, please just sit down in class. You can just, like, watch the class and just take notes or just, like, sit down and, like, watch. She was, like, if you feel like you can't come to class because you're just, like, not okay – just stay home. Like she actually told me once when I was in class and I was really like not feeling well, like mentally and physically, and she could see it. And so she literally came up to me at the bar and she said, are you okay? And I was like, no, not. And she was like, go home. She's like, go home and just like go rest. And so I'm really thankful for that lesson because that has taught me, especially doing like a broadway show maybe not like as much mentally cuz i have kind of had to learn that process myself but definitely has helped me be more reflective and attuned to my body and what my mind needs so if i need to call out of a show i'm going to call out of a show i'm not going to do the show because i'm either like mentally struggling or like a reoccurring injury kind of flaring up just a little bit, even if I could, you know, fight through the show, I'd rather not make it worse and just like miss a show. So I think I learned kind of how to physically take care of my body better. And in turn, it kind of helps me figure out how to take care of my mental state a little better.
2: Yeah. They are inextricable, but both of you just told stories of one one person that permitted you to listen to yourselves and honored you for doing that. And I was just, this is so I'm like lit up because just before this conversation, I was looking at a study done on performing artists, dancers specifically, um, in regards to performance anxiety. And it talks about the difference between somatic anxiety and cognitive anxiety. So somatic are the, the, you know, sweaty palms, like feelings of nausea, um, butterflies in your stomach. And then cognitive is when you go in your head to that place of like, I could throw up on stage. I could forget the choreography. I could have an anxiety attack mid song. And, um, and it's fascinating because it's not uncommon that when you get to that place of muscle memory or autopilot, that's when the brain as you said overthinks and kind of takes over and it is a spectrum and at any given time we're we're somewhere along this spectrum of processing our anxiety right and there's there's a facilitative version of butterflies like okay I'm nervous I'm alive I'm doing this I'm going I'm on stage and then there's the debilitative version of I all of a sudden don't feel myself in my own skin and I'm not quite sure that I am able to meet the demands of this expectation, which is just at a base level, like the definition of anxiety. And so I'd love to know Sabrina, like you, like, it doesn't get higher than Hamilton really doesn't like you really shot to the top there quite quick. And I would love to know that even at that high level, you and I have talked before about, you know, how there's literally barely any room to warm up backstage physically, right. Much less, Having space held for the mental demands and pressure of being in a show like that. And I would love to know was there any conversation being had, um, not just between your colleagues, but more from the leadership? Was there any conversation of like, okay, welcome to this company. This is a big deal. You are well equipped. That's why you're here. Here are different ways that we can help you support, or here's directions we can point you in if you need support along this journey from a from a mental space?
0: Short answer, no. (laughs) I think that is only something that has been recently talked about. Unfortunately, um, you know, they're always aware of the like physical aspect. We have like PT on staff. So PT is readily available for our physical um, health, Mm -hmm. but there was never really anything in place. And I think that is probably across the board with all broadway shows that there's nothing you know kind of across the board to help with mental health guidance that actually thankfully has been something that has been talked about a lot over pandemic when we've had like company meetings mm-hmm. just because i don't it's kind of crazy i just think that mental health always comes secondary secondary to physical health which is so strange because your mental health is your brain and your brain is a part of your body. So I was actually reading a quote the other day or listening to a video. I can't remember which it was, but it said when you're sick and you've got the flu and you have an achy body and you, you know, have a headache and you're just you have a fever and you're not doing well, you do what is necessary. You stay home from work. You, you know, how to drink fluids. You eat the food that you need to eat to take care of yourself, to make it better so why don't you do that when you're having struggles with your mental health because it's the same thing it's just that your brain is a little sick right now mentally yeah. exhausted you need time to recuperate so you should that day or two that you need to get better yeah. and I just don't think that that has ever been a priority kind of, like, in most industries, honestly, not just in the Broadway world. Really? It will become a topic of discussion because we have, like, mental health awareness. more common for people to be in therapy. It's not taboo anymore. It There is still, like, that little, I kind of feel, judgment from certain industries if they, like, I can't come into work today because I need a mental health day. It's, like, you feel like you're going to get chastised for it. Like, why do you need, why? Like you, you're not sick. Are you can't. And like, what it is is like, yes, I am sick. Like I'm mentally like sick right now. I, and that doesn't mean like disorder or whatever it just means. Like I need a day of mental rest to not be around people to not be like constantly working my mind on a computer or on a stage or what have you like it's it's just something that hasn't really been discussed a lot in terms of having help and guidance in your particular workspace so i think that's something that at least hamilton has been like really focused on over the past year because you know everybody except arts has been struggling a lot mentally um So I'm hopeful that that is going to be a thing that continues to grow, gets better in not only Broadway, but across the board in workspace, because it's really, really so important. And it'll make your employees work harder and be better because they're able to take that mental space. Yeah
2: the return on investment it's just written in the stars it's so clear yeah
1: wow yeah it's it's quite i was just gonna reiterate to say it's just crystal clear what needs to happen from this point forward i think the the message is clear that this is has to become such a focal point of these institutions of these productions of these of our artistry in order to lift the entire industry the artists within it um but I'm looking at the clock and I know we're running towards the end here with you. Um, so to, to wrap it up, I'm just, I'm wondering Sabrina for you right now, like you're obvious you're just such a magnetic radiant artist, just talent oozing out of the pores of all that you are um, from where you are now, as we're reemerging and we're reentering into the world as we once knew or the new world that we are, are coming back into do you have any kind of big aspirations for where you're like intending your artistry to go or yourself even maybe outside of your artistry is there something kind of at the forefront of your intention right now that that you're I know that's that's in your heart or on your mind for your for your own becoming I
0: have a lot of goals I will say and I'm been trying to again with like the being kinder to yourself because I feel like as artists you like revert back to a little bit of being like good enough but like I am good enough and then I'm not I'm not good enough for that so I've been trying to just put things as manifestations in my own life um there are like a couple of Broadway shows that I would love to do um two of them being Town in Chicago I was in the final auditions for Hades Town, So I'm like, really like, I'm putting that on my manifestation <laughs> list for it to yeah. like. Speak it, sing it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the other thing that I'm working towards is, I actually want to do the LA company of Hamilton because I wanted to try the acting world out there and to see what the dance world was like out there. Um, unfortunately did not happen this past year as we, but I'm hoping that when we return and go back out, that that will be a thing that I'm able to do and pursue as well. So just, I'm really big on the like manifesting, like speak it into the universe and like, it'll eventually come to you.
1: Yeah. I think intention is like the center of it all. If you, you know what you're going after and you have that intention, and it's really deeply rooted within you. I think the thing that we've probably all seen across our paths, like our life paths, not just in the performing arts, but when you have that goal, and you put it out there, even if the if that, that company, or that show that you speak out, you're going to come close. And even if if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, what you will manifest through the intention of even heading towards that is going to be just as good, if not better as what you were headed towards. So it's like, speak it, put it out there and it will come to you in some form that, and in the form that's meant exactly for you and your path.
0: Yep. I've that, that's how I, I've actually felt that for probably since I came to the city, just because you know, we're so used to getting told no. And I yeah. have a mindset of like, well, it just wasn't meant to be at that time. Still upsetting, but wasn't meant to be. And you know like a lot of things for me are like retrospect to where I look back on it and I'm like, you know, I really wasn't ready for that thing at that time. So I'm glad that I didn't get it because I probably would have been very unhappy <laughs>
1: yeah. if I had done that. So it's, it's it at your nose, your nose led you to Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think the power for all of us in looking forward is actually looking back and looking at the nose and seeing the nose that became yeses in different form. And it, when you look back at that, it gives you this new trust. It's like a trust muscle of like, oh, the proof is there. The proof is in the pudding, like, you know, so I'm and so excited. Thank you for sharing that with us. Like, yeah, it's yeah. very inspiring to hear people committed to a goal and uh, and people that are embodied enough to say, this is what I'm after, you know?
2: And just trusting that, like, it's it's all the same across everything, really. Relationships, like, personal, professional goals. It's, it's all the same. It's just trusting that what's yours shall not pass you by. And Sabrina, I remember when we first met a couple years ago, and I just... I was just, a tra- I was like girl crush and I'm hitching my wagon to your star and it's been a gift to know you ever since. Um, I had the privilege of getting to see you perform in Hamilton with my parents in 2019 and you were in the ensemble of that company and just spark like i d- almost just don't even have words to describe that experience and the way that you brought to life your role on that stage of stars you were your own brand of effervescent and it's just been a gift to follow the journey of your career and what you're putting out into the world it's just it's all going to come pouring back into you and we're so excited to follow you along the way so thank you for sharing the story of your becoming and for knowing that it's just the beginning we're pumped for you
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure. We
2: wish you all the best, crossing our fingers for your shows. Get, the world needs more of your talent, more of your energy. <laughs> yeah.
0: We will, we, we will be coming back. Yes. yes perform.
1: Yay. Yay. Bye, love. <laughs> right. Bye. Want to connect further with our community at Artist Becoming. Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at ArtistBecoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.